up? And welcome back to the Something's Brewing Podcast, episode 61. 61. The Byron Bits episode. Oh, Byron Bits. What a yeah, what a throwback. But um, yeah, welcome back to the show. As always, brought to you in partnership with the one and only Primetime Productions. You can follow them on Twitter at Primetime Prods. You can follow myself on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan. And you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Melanson. Nick, what's up? How you doing? I'm doing well. What's been going on with you? Have you done anything fun lately? Um, No. Just been slinging mail left and right. It's, dude, creeping up real quick is busy season and i've been feeling it incrementally day by day getting a little bit busier and i'm scared i remember last last year around this time we had just started our madden franchise it was you me connor a couple other guys and man we played every single game for like three years you were in the franchise you were the cleveland browns and then you texted us one day and you said, listen, guys, busy season starting up at, at the post office. I don't know how often I'm going to be able to play. You might have sent us that in like October. Yeah. I did not see MF Selly 12 is now online for another three and a half months. You were gone <laughs> until like we had to keep simming through all your games because you were working every single day. I felt bad. Yeah, dude, it's, it's getting to be that point again. Um, but luckily we have the Bruins, you know, rolling right around the corner to keep me busy and keep me entertained while busy season's going on. It gives me something to look forward to. Uh, you know what I, you know, you know what I did this weekend? I, uh, you ever go to the Big E? No, I was supposed to go on Saturday, but... I was I there on Saturday! To... No! I was in... Uh, I've no. never been! You know who else was there on Saturday? Who? Ethan. Really? Ethan, Ethan won. E Moriarty WX on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's... He's from the area, and he was there. We were literally there at the same time all day, and I had no idea. And I was really pissed about it because I posted something on my Snapchat story of a couple of pigs, and he swiped <laughs> up, and he was like, were you at the Big E? And I was like, I think my exact messages was like, don't even tell me that you were at the Big E because I was there all day. But I, I went when I was like four or five. The only, like, it's one of my core memories. The only thing that I remember of the Big E was eating fried Oreos. I can't tell you the layout. I can't tell you what they had. I couldn't have even told you what town it was in. I know what's in, I know where it is now, but at the time, all I remember was that they had fried Oreos. And, uh, but I, I went with my roommates. It was fun. My roommates from college. We walked around for like eight hours. They had pickle beer. It was, Ooh. honestly, I thought the pickle beer tasted a little bit like peanut butter. If I'm being quite frank, so I don't know what yeah. happened. Maybe yeah. somebody dropped a couple peanuts into the in the prickle brine or something, and something happened. With <laughs> they might have, but, but they had, dude, they had the best. Um, because like every every little building is like a different New England state, and yeah. I I think it oh, was cool. um. Well, I mean, like every single one had pumpkin beer, so I was in freaking paradise. Dude. Yeah, I was going, heaven. I was going from state to state. I had like four or five different pumpkin beers, all different brands. They, they even put the what are you drinking? <laughs> Miller Lite. No pumpkin. Damn, I thought it was going to be a pumpkin brew. Um, they even put the like the caramel, sorry, caramel and cinnamon sugar on the rim. Dude, I was in heaven. And I also saw a couple of former famous TikTokers there too, just walking around. It was quite surreal. Wow, wow. That Big E is just the, the prime national event of the fall. Big E, man, is a place to be. But, um, yeah, I mean... I've never been, but I'm hoping to get there. I know it's probably over with now, but um, the last day was Sunday. Yeah, just closed. Sorry. Yeah, so better luck next year, Sully. But yeah. um, anyways, I you. mean, 
The Bruins, the Bruins have, uh, I think they've played four preseason games. They're playing five tonight. I believe they're up against the Washington Capitals. I could be wrong about that. I haven't Correct. Checked. Cool. Look at that. But <laughs> um, some big news today, too. I mean, I mean, Matthew Patra continues to impress every single game. It's actually insane what he's doing right now. Um, and he's making his case stronger every single day. But Fabian Lysel also reports to Providence. Damn. What do you think about that? Well, what I mean, I haven't really been able to pay much attention to uh, what's been going on in the preseason. Like, I've been following on Twitter. I've been seeing the highlights. I know that Portois guy is playing out of his freaking mind right now. Um, but one of the names I really haven't seen on, on Twitter regarding preseason so far has been Fabian Lysel. Like, what has he been nothing. doing? I thought this was going to be his opportunity to step up and make some noise. I'm happy that Portois is doing it. I also yeah. saw we can get into it in a little bit, but I was a little upset that that Regula guy was waived today because I was kind of excited about him. But um, yeah, dude, Fabian Lysel back to Providence. Are you worried now? I mean, we've been hearing about this guy for the last couple of years that, you know, oh, Fabian Lysel is a top prospect in the system. Wait till he comes. You know, he's playing in Sweden. He's playing with Team Sweden and whatever the hell that international tournament he just played in was. And yeah, now and guess what? And guess in that international tournament, he had zero points. Zero Which, points. At the time, I do want to say both of us and mainly everybody was on the same page saying, oh, it's fine. Like, don't even worry about it. Yeah. But, I mean, he literally was invisible. Every game every game in the preseason that he, you know, was playing, I cannot tell you a single pass he made. I can't tell you a single sh- good opportunity to score he had. I can't tell you a good defensive play. I, he, I'm not worried yet, but I think in in my mind, I think that the level of hype that I had around him is significantly lower than before. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what like what's how old is he now? What is he? Twenty two? Twenty? No, he's twenty. Okay, that's so, the yeah. thing. That's and why like you can't be worried yet. Yeah, there's definitely no reason to concern yet. But, I mean, I, I thought for sure that he was going to make some noise in the preseason. We've seen lesser players make more noise. Um, I always thought we always talk about Zaboral and his preseason escapades last year, turning into Bobby Orr for a couple games there. The Philadelphia yeah. Flyers game, we always reference it. But, um, you yeah, know, for Lysel, I mean, I was a little – I was a little um, – I guess surprised to see that he was sent back to Providence. Not because I didn't think it was coming, but because I was like, "Damn, I thought this was going to be his opportunity to make some noise in the preseason," and, and this is where we're left with. Yeah, and and it doesn't help either in his case that he's been outshined by lesser players. You know, um, all he really had to do was stand out a little bit, make a nice little play here, make a nice little play there. He just didn't seem very confident in his abilities as a player. And you could actually see him express his frustrations um, through his body language and just kind of the way he was, he was acting when the camera panned down to him. He just seemed like a guy that was frustrated in not, you know, taking advantage of this moment for himself. And I think he knew and I think most people knew too that another year or to at least start the season in Providence was right around the corner for him. I think that was written on the wall. Um, he had, I think three opportunities to do something and he did nothing. He did nothing. And I don't want to shit on him and I don't want to make this seem like, you know, we're we're down on him or we think he's a bust or we think that, you know, he's, a lesser player than what we all thought he was capable of. Because again, it's preseason, it's three games. You can only get so much out of that. As we said, t- 
talking about the guys who are who are you know taking advantage of the situation and really shining guys like Patra, um guys like lori um guys like mitchell and it, 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 you can't you can't beat him up too bad he's a 20 year old kid who's still trying to come over from the european game come try to figure out how to play in North America against these guys, this type of hockey. So it's going to be an adjustment. Um, him getting sent down to Providence shouldn't worry people too bad. Um, if he has a shitty year in Providence, then you can start to maybe waver a little bit and get a little bit concerned. But outside of that, he's developing. He's a developing player. This is where he's at in his game right now. That doesn't mean he's a bust. That doesn't mean he sucks. That doesn't mean we overhyped him. Although I do think right now that the hype train is a little bit too heavy in favor of him for where he is right now in his game. But I mean, that's, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens with all of that. Um, but you also mentioned Regula getting sent down and you, you kind of wanted to see him stick around. I think with the way that Ian Mitchell has been playing in these, in these preseason games. I mean, you see him jumping up in the play offensively, getting good shot opportunities, getting good scoring opportunities um, alongside good defensive play too. I think Ian Mitchell is your seventh defenseman. I think he's your guy. I don't think it's the Boral. Um, and there's also a question mark up in the air with Lori as well. Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> and this could be a dumb question. And if it is, tell me. Because I'm I'm not, you know, short on dumb questions. Um, I saw Gail tweet today. Follow her on Twitter at Gail underscore Troyani. Shout out Gail. Shout out Gail. Um, She tweeted Alec Regula, Dan Renouf, Anthony Richard, Riley Walsh, and Parker Watherspoon have been placed on waivers for purpose of assignment. Now, does that mean that they're going to Providence or does that mean that they're like being released? Because they're, not, like, being, they're that, not being released. They're still with the okay. organization. Um, they're going to Providence. Because sure. that's where I get confused because I saw that. And I know in, in, in baseball, when you designate somebody for assignment, they're, see you later, bud. You're getting cut. You're off the team. Smell you later. And I yeah. saw for purpose of assignment and I went, oh, no. That's why I was like, Regula, like I know, you know, he's not nothing crazy, but he was a big boy. I know he's slow as shit, as you said a couple of times. He's a, is he a London Knight? Was he the London Knight? Um, I'll have to I'll have to check on that, but I thought there was somebody that that Brett used to talk about seeing him play in uh in London. I thought it was him. I could be wrong. Um, no, but I mean, I I, I mean, I love defensive prospects. Um, well, Jackson I, Jackson Edward played in London. Um, oh, actually, Regula did too. Good call. Yeah, but he was a guy. I mean, I didn't think he was going to make the team. Like you just said, they are deep on defense. I know they have some guy with some guys with more NHL experience than Regula certainly does. Um, but I know that you you mentioned. I think we referenced it in our last episode that he he is slow as hell. <laughs> like especially when you put him back there because he's if he were to get playing time, it's not like he'd be a top four pairing. He would likely be on that third unit. And if he was out there with like Derek Forbert or something like that, oh my God, talk about slow speed. But um, no, I mean out of those names though, Regula. Renouf, I think, is how you say it. Richard yeah. Walsh and, and Watherspoon. Did any of those names surprise you? No. No. I, I'm just glad it wasn't a guy like Mitchell yet. I'm just glad, um, you know, um, it wasn't Lori. Because I think Lori might have a legit shot, dude. I think Lori yeah. actually, if you say, because I know Forbert is, he's healthy now, but he was nursing an injury, which is why you haven't seen him in any preseason games yet. But I mean, the way that Lori has played, he's fumbled the puck a couple times off of passes, but I mean, that 
that's not a big deal. Like that's not yeah. something where you're like, oh, send him down. He needs to work on that. That's just something that's gonna come with comfortability. But I mean, I don't see a world where you can justify too much for Bert over Lorai with the way that Lorai has been playing. If you can have, say, Grizzlick McAvoy, Carlo Lindholm, and Lorai and Shattenkirk, I mean, do that. Let him let him run that third lot that third D pairing with Shattenkirk. Throw him on the power play every now and then. He is uh massive, by the way. Yeah. Like, you can tell, dude. Like I Obviously, we're used to Zidane Chara on the back end, so we know what a real giant looks like. But holy shit, dude, the way that Lorai can skate with the puck and, and without the puck, um, people used to rag on his skating saying that was the weakest part of his game. If that's the weakest part of his game, then I will take that all day because, <laughs> dude, he is a mammoth. And I'm not he wasn't very physical either. But I mean, that could just come with his age. And yeah, and, you know, I mean, he's he's just scratching the surface of playing against some NHL right. players. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that's something that'll come as he gets more minutes, more time under his belt. But right. I don't remember who it was. Um, I, I know Brett's one of them, but a bunch of people always tweet after the preseason games, those those graphs of like, yep. you know, like the analytical oh, like yeah, performance yeah. of each player. And they were talking about defensemen and like uh, Mason Moore, I was like, consistently at the top in terms of offensive production defenseman in the preseason. I mean, it seems like his offensive game is, is there and like it's yep. jumping out the charts with some of the stuff that he's doing. Also, um, Portois too. And the, in the three games he's played in so far, I believe he's finished like, uh, like first, third and second on yep. the entire Bruins team for like offensive. I don't know what the exact metrics metric is called, but he, he's he's regularly rated in the top three for offensive performance out of any Bruin in the three preseason games. And that's a 19-year-old kid coming over straight from the OHL. I know that we talked about it last episode about, um, you know, if he was going to make the team, if not, he has to go back to, to Canada. And you were saying that you wanted to see him slot into your second-line center. I think you said second-line center yep. um, spot then. And I said, I told you then that you're absolutely crazy. The kids played one AHL game, but after the last two games that he's played and seeing how confident he is with the puck, the dude is a wizard. The passes that he's making, there was one, I think, actually, I think you tweeted the clip. I have no idea who he passed the puck to because half the names in the back of these jerseys oh. right now, I can't recognize, but the one when he was facing the boards and there was like four guys around him, no look pass, just like on his backhand, just kind of like, it almost looked like the pass that, Every coach you've ever had in your entire hockey playing career tells you not to make. Right, yeah. And, and, he, and, <laughs> yeah. and he made the pass and just like lofted it out there. It hit this guy right in stride who looked like me, like just like this chunky dude taking this shitty shot. And I think you said like if this was Brad Marchand, yes. this was Pasta or literally anybody else, like that is a fantastic scoring opportunity. And to have this kid who's only 19 years old, his his board play is ridiculous. He's like 5'11", like 170, not a big guy, playing with grown men, adults, coming straight from the OHL. And he's like behind the net. And the way that he's able to turn his body and use his forehand and drive up the boards towards the boot, like you just don't see that with players his age, with players with, with that little professional experience. And after after game one, I was like, I think you're crazy if he plays in the NHL immediately. After game three, I'm like, dude. One C man, put this, put bump soccer down. Like, let's get him in the lineup every night, dude. No, it's funny you mentioned his board play because that's something that I noticed too. It's like whenever you see a highlight from the preseason of one of his passes, first of all, 
they're always crispy. They're always tape to tape. They're hard as fuck. Like he, like I'm, he is fucking ready, dude. I want him <laughs> in. But um, anyways, like you, like you said with his board play, it's weird because he's always surrounded by like two opposing team players, right? And his his ass is to the wall, or he's using his his body to protect the puck with the boards against the other guys. And then he always seems to find a way to just see the open lane and make the crispiest pass that you've ever seen for a grade A scoring chance. And the one that you're referencing, the one where he kind of threw it behind him, no look in the middle of the ice to a wide open, I think it was like Braza or something like that. <laughs> and the dude, it was actually funny because the dude ripped the shot and you could tell he put like everything that he had into it because <laughs> you could almost hear hear him as he shot it go like <gasps> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like let out like a wicked gasp well he knew and, if he scored that's an espn top 10 play he's gonna make it make it happen <laughs> right and but he didn't score and i'm pretty sure that he got waved like literally the next day so like, <laughs> yeah but i did i did say like you said if that was to pasa or if that puck ends up on the stick of Marshawn, DeBrusque, uh, Zaka, literally anybody, then the chances of that being a goal jumps up like 80%. Oh, yeah. And just his his ability to, to find space and to use space, I think most importantly. I think a lot of players, because the kid's 19. That's the craziest yep. part. He's never played professional. He's never played in the AHL. He's just coming right off the train from Ontario and he's just hopping in the lineup and it's ridiculous and I feel like players that age were trying to make a name for themselves and are trying to carve out a role in this roster because he knows I'm either playing in the NHL which is my dream or I'm going back to play in the Canadian Junior League which is like a, a, a huge step down for the NHL I mean great hockey but you know comparing a pro league to a development league it's not the same and, and, and um, if he goes back to Guelph however you pronounce it if he goes back to the Guelph Storm he's going to put up like 150 points, points. oh like, yeah no he's he's ridiculous but I feel like you know players with, with that kind of situation laid out in front of them are going to go okay I need to do whatever I can to get noticed and I yeah. feel like that would that would require most players, you know, maybe trying to make the extra move or, or trying to go bar down, make the pretty player, just doing whatever they can to put the puck in the back of the net. And I feel like when you do that, you have the you have the uh, the chance to maybe you overplay, right? right? Or maybe maybe you you make the extra play, the extra pass when you didn't need yeah. to, or maybe you like get a little you, scared like, to shoot the puck. Like you make the extra move when you didn't have. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you're just you're just playing too hard. You grip the stick a little too tight. Maybe you're taking your current, you're taking your turns a little too hard. Things happen. And maybe that's what happened with Fabian Lysel, but with Portois, like the like he like when he has a lane down the right side of the boards, where I feel like most players might try to lower their shoulder and get around the defenseman and just get to the net, right? Like Jake DeBrusque is a prime example of this. His earlier years, he's just trying to get past the guy and get to the net and throw something on that, see if something yeah. can happen. I feel like most players in Portois' uh, position might do that, but instead, this dude like massages the defenseman just like he pulls up he's like pulling his his toes up he's digging his heels in he's slowing down he's kind of you know going in and out of the boards and he'll like stop and back up and just use the space and like you said he had one play the other night he was coming down the right boards and he just kind of pulled up in the corner and he just sat there and waited for something to happen yeah which you just i feel like you don't see from like a 19 year old kid picking their head up and looking to make you know for the for a play to unfold and he hit some guy i don't remember who it was a defenseman who who almost scored it he was had mitchell. a nice shot yeah that was oh mitchell. yeah that was mitchell. It's, it's just like 
the poise and and the the confidence the offensive zone it, it, he's not 19 like we got to find this dude's birth certificate like he's playing <laughs> like and, and again I, it, it's preseason you don't want to get ahead of yourself and he's playing against you know each team's half of their roster and backup goalies and everything but still like what what you're seeing out of this kid i mean it's you got to have endless amounts of confidence into what this kid can do and i think he's he's really making it hard for management well i mean it shouldn't be a hard decision because he's playing great but i mean you also have other questions you have to answer about roster building but um i don't know i mean i mean right now do you think you know there's one more preseason game left he's playing tonight you know well when you listen to this he played last night he's playing back-to-back games so clearly the bruins are through with them they want another look if you were don sweeney is he making the roster or is he going back to the ohl i if I'm Don Sweeney, I 100% give him the nine games minimum in, in the NHL to start the season, and then you go from there. Um, especially if you look at – and I, I tweeted this out as well. If you look at who the Bruins open the season against, I think it's the first seven games, it's almost like another preseason, if I'm being 100% honest with you. I mean, they go – to open the season, they go Blackhawks, they stink. Predators, they're supposed to stink. Sharks, god-awful. <laughs> Kings, phenomenal team. Ducks, terrible. Blackhawks again, god, good lord. Ducks again, oh my god. Give him those games. I mean, you might as well. Why, why wouldn't you give him those games? The Bruins start the season with a West Coast road trip? Um, yeah, essentially. That should be illegal. I know like any sport. I remember the Red Sox did the same thing a couple years ago. Like their first like 14 games were all on the West Coast. It should be mandatory in every. Sorry, this is pissing me off. It should be mandatory (laughs) in like every league. Like the first I feel like the first dozen games of your season, just make them division games. Like everybody's close. It's same time zone. You don't got to worry about, you know. You can go to the games if you like, uh, you know, a trip to Toronto or Montreal. It's a bit of a long car ride, different country, but like, you know, or like, like Washington playing Philadelphia. Like, it should be that's, oh, another common sense thing. It should be stupid to have a big market team like the Bruins start their season the West Coast road trip. I'm sorry, that's dumb. Yeah. We don't see an Eastern Conference team until October 28th, and that's Detroit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, dude, that's ridiculous. But, that's crazy. But does I mean, if anything, I think that strengthens the case to give Patra that those nine games. Why definitely give him those nine games and just see what happens? I mean, he gets those kind of I, I don't want to say easy because obviously nothing is easy in the NHL, but you have lighter games against the Hawks, the Sharks, um, the Ducks. Two against the Hawks, two against the Ducks. You have a tough matchup against the Kings. Um, and, and maybe the Predators too, but give Potra those games. If he continues to, he doesn't even have to light up the score sheet, right? But if he, if he can say maybe like three or four points and he's not a liability out there against the actual, you know, men of the NHL, then keep him. Keep I him. It's, not, it's not, it's not, it's, 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 it's rare to have a guy at 19 years old put up First of all, like I think he had 91 points last year in the CHL and then have him come in during preseason and arguably be the best player that the Bruins have had in, in these preseason games. Give him um, the chance. Now, if he were to get those nine games, what line are you putting him in? The second, second line? Second, second line. Um, 
hang on. Sorry. I'm looking up Matt. I wanted to see what he, what his, yeah, he's 5'11", 176. That's crazy. Um, last year in the OHL, he had 95 points in 63 games. That is ridiculous. And he also followed up with six points in the six games in the playoffs. Um, but I think that we should give the NHL what they want. I mean, everybody's looking forward to that opening night, Connor Bedard, Matthew Portois, Battle of the Circle. Another thing, too, he's phenomenal in the face-off dot. Dude, I think he's, he's unbelievable. 51% in the preseason. Um, I think he's even like, higher. And that, like, those are those are phenomenal numbers for a guy his stature going against some big centers, some NHL caliber centers. Um, so that's exciting. But it seems like the Bruins... I don't want to jinx anything, but they might have seriously found a diamond in the rough here. I mean, what? Who? Who was the last teenager to make this team opening night? Like, is it Tyler Sagan? Before that, Bergeron? Like, I don't even know. I feel like it's been for it's been forever since we've had a young prospect enter this team and juice up this system opening night. And I really don't know. Is it Sagan? Maybe it, I, I'm not sure. Maybe Dougie. Dougie might have done it. Oh, I did love me some Dougie Hamilton. Yeah, but I mean, I'm looking here too. So shout out to um, on Twitter as well, Bruins Cap Space. Yeah, Dougie um, was 19. Sorry. Oh, he was. Yeah, yeah. But that was 2012. Yeah. Oh, so that was before. That was. Oh, yes, that was right after six. Damn, and it's been like nobody oh, since yes. then. Yeah, but um, yeah, Bruins <laughs> Cap Space. So they 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 were trying to figure out obviously because the Bruins are salary cap crunched right now. They made a tweet. They said, if you waive Greer or Boakvist and don't sign Heinen, the Bruins could fit Patra 870K under the cap. Not much cap flexibility overall unless they trade away a veteran player, though. So they obviously, if you do keep him, you're going to have to make some moves. And if you have a solution in Lori, trade Derek Forbert if you have the means to do so. If that's the plan to keep Patra and and Lori in the system, Derek Forbert is making three million dollars. He's got one more year left on his deal. You don't even have to get value for him. All you're looking to do is shed that salary, trade him for a sixth or a seventh. Honestly, yeah. I mean, sorry. Can you repeat that again? What you I heard you mention, uh, Danton Heinen. Yeah. So, and again, this is from Bruins Cap Space on Twitter. Um, if you waive Greer or Boakvist and don't sign Heinen, the Bruins could fit Patra at 870K under the cap. Yeah, that's interesting. And that's what I was talking about before because Portois looks incredible. And I want him to make this team. But, I mean, I, I, do you think it's feasible to to want him to go back to the OHL if you want? I mean, those players aren't exactly game changers. But, I mean, I like – I don't even know what I'm saying now. I'm talking myself in circles. <laughs> well, yeah, so this is awesome. Imagine what Sweeney and Neely and, and them are thinking. Like, oh god, okay. has thrown a wrench in the plan. He really has, a but good, it's it's a good it's wrench. The, yeah, it's the best kind of wrench imaginable. Yeah. Um, let's start with Heinen. What do you think about Heinen? And do you think that he has a chance to make this team? I think he does have a chance, um, but I also think if the Bruins don't sign him, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, I'm I'm on the, I'm on the same boat as you. Um, I don't know if you saw Ty Anderson's tweet today, um, but somebody was talking about Danton Heinen. They said that Danton Heinen has not been impressive in the preseason at all. And again, I know it's just the preseason. 
Ty Anderson said that Heinen is one of three Bruins to score five on five goal this preseason, leading the team in individual high danger scoring chances, five on five, positive on ice scoring chance, high danger scoring chance differentials, and doing that with starting less than 40% of his shifts in the attacking zone. I know that's a lot of analytics just thrown in your face. It sounds like a lot of word, word jumble, but uh, offensively, he's been one of the Bruins' best players in the preseason. Again, I yep. know it's just the preseason, but I feel like with Danton Heinen, you also kind of know what you get. He's, you know, 28 now. Uh, he's been around the league, especially with the Bruins for a little bit. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I don't really know that much about Boakvist. I know he was a guy, he seemed like he was a bit of a shoehorn to be the fourth line center, but I know Johnny Beecher has looked really good in preseason as well. So I think that maybe yeah. his spot on that fourth line isn't guaranteed anymore, like you were just saying. And when it comes to that, I mean, I was, I've been on board with getting rid of Derek Forbert last year since he, yeah. he pooped his pants in the playoffs and since they made whatever decision they made to not roll with Matt Grizzlick for all seven games of the first round. So I'm on board with moving Derek Forbert. Also, um, I feel like if you're moving Derek Forbert, it's not just because you, you know, for the reason you just said, maybe for Portois to fit in the cap, but also I feel like that would really show that this team believes in Mason Lorai and that he's yeah. ready to make the jump and to begin, you know, get everyday NHL minutes in your third line pairing. So I'm okay with, with, Getting rid of Heinen, it's just the PTO. I know they just also got rid of Chase on the other day. I'm okay with trading Forbert, and I'm okay with waving Boakvist if it means that we get to see Matthew Portois in a Bruins jersey. And with the defensive aspect, too, if you trade Forbert, you see what you have with Mitchell right now. Um, I feel like he slides into Montgomery's system so well. So if, say, Lorai goes through a little skid, you know you have Ian Mitchell back there to kind of slide in and help out. Um, Ian Mitchell Forbert, be this year's version of Connor Clifton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Derek Forbert is officially on the hot seat. Derek Forbert is officially. Oh, now he's on the hot seat. (laughs) Now he's really like okay. So before, it's like when you preheat the oven to like three fifty. That's where he was. All of a sudden, now the Totino's pizza rolls are in the oven and it's cranked up to four hundred. He's. He's he's feeling it. Dude. No, you know what it is. He's he's in the oven with the pizza rolls and uh, the timer's going off, but you're outside talking to your neighbor. You don't even realize, and smoke's <laughs> starting to come out, and you got to hurry up and run in there and deal with it. That's Derek Forbert. I feel like he's past his due. I feel like he's already been burning in the oven, and now it's time to just go over and open the oven and open the windows and let the whole kitchen air out. I feel like that's so, where we're at with Derek Forbert. So basically, what Derek Forbert is now is just a burnt Totino's pizza roll. <laughs> exactly, and uh, and and. Uh, Mason Lorai is the neighbor that you're talking to out front who's distracting you right now. Yeah, he's sad. He's sad. He knows what he's doing. He's oh yeah, <laughs> he's good. He might be young, but he's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, think about it too. Think about it this way, just from a from a viewer's perspective. What's more exciting, Matthew Poitra and Mason Lorai, or? Derek Forbert and Danton Heinen, or or even even not even Danton Heinen, Derek Forbert or Jesper Bonkvist. What's oh more exciting? God. What's going to put more asses in the seat? You could have asked me if I would rather watch Portois. You could ask me if I would rather watch an ant crawl over a log, or if I would <laughs> rather watch Derek Forbert try to you know be a traffic cone in the defensive zone and i would have told you an ant over a log in fact i would rather watch paint dry i <laughs> I, I feel like i know i i'm being harsh and Derek forward i i still think that he's you know a reliable nhl defenseman i i, I would feel more comfortable with Derek forward not getting everyday minutes like i don't want him you know lodged into your third line pairing like i think he's great as a seventh defenseman or sprinkling him sprinkling him in when needed but mm-hmm. for him i mean if he's playing, it means that Mason Lorai isn't. 
And right. I want to see Mason Lorai. Mason Lorai, I think, might be ready to take the jump. And for for every reason, he's gonna be a future pillar of this defensive team. He should be if if he you know excels the way that he's supposed to and the way that we think he will. And that's just unfortunately at the expense of Derek Forbert. So the way that I look at it isn't because. Derek Forbert sucks. Get him off this team. Although I don't think that he's the most talented defenseman in the room. And I'm sure he'll tell you the same thing because the Bruins are pretty deep at defense. But um, I see him as the one person who's going to be limiting the chance to see more Mason Lorai. And I, I'm in love with Mason Lorai's game. And I want to see him on this team as soon as I can. I want to see him in the lineup every single night, which means that Derek Forbert's gone, which also means that you get to lose his $3 million cap hit or whatever it is. So I think that there's... Yeah. We say it all the time. There's a million reasons to get rid of Derek Forbert right now if you truly believe that Mason Lorai is ready. And there's maybe just a few to keep him around. And a million is a lot more than a few. Trade him to Chicago. Yeah, Luna. dude. I mean, they're they're doing all of our dirty business right now. We're just shipping them everything that we don't want anymore. I know. Taylor Hall, Nick Foligno. They have, I think it's Ryan. Um, they could take Derek Forbert. The, yeah. Chicago, <laughs> the Chicago Bruins, dude. But... Mason Lorai right now, he's 22 years old. He's 6'4", 204 pounds. He's he's built like an NHL defenseman right now. Um, he plays like an NHL defenseman with a little, you know, a few a few things you can kind of work on with him. Obviously, he's a first year NHL player. Um, but I mean, this is the year to do it, dude. This year, this is the year. And I think if you put them into the lineup, you don't have to mash all the young players in at once right you don't you don't want to be too heavy with the youth either but if you can pick the players that seem to be ready and can learn from the vets that are already here in a year like this where you already kind of don't know exactly what to expect Lori can learn from guys like McAvoy Lori can learn from guys like Carlo Lori can learn from guys like Shattenkirk Grizzlick Lindholm. I mean, come on, Jesus Christ! Yeah. Our de- our defensive units already stacked. If you add in Mason Lorai, a rookie, into this, oh no! Oh. And and like Montgomery's system too is yes. phenomenal for the style of play that Mason Lorai plays. I mean, he made there's Ian a, Mitchell look like Kale McCarr the other night. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that I mean, I love Connor Clifton. There's a reason he went from you know seventh eighth defenseman under. Bruce Cassidy, all of a sudden last year, the guy's playing out of his mind. He got himself a pretty good deal in Buffalo because of what he was able to do in Montgomery's system last year. Yeah, you should send send Montgomery like a mill. Seriously, like it's almost like, again, I don't like the cross sports, but I think about like with the Patriots, like their defensive backs, their cornerbacks are secondary. It's always insane. They get all these undrafted guys because they're able to get coached up because they just work in the system. And I feel like you can say the same thing about Jim Montgomery and with this Bruins defenseman. I mean, you had numerous defensemen last year have career years. Um, what's his name? Um, Lindholm, like second best analytical defenseman in the entire NHL last year. A defensive, yep. st- like a horse in the defensive zone. Um, I even think Brendan Carlo had a career high in points, albeit it was like 19 or something like that. But I mean, you had guys just playing out of their game. I remember like the first couple weeks of the season last year. I say it all the time. He, Mike Riley had me tweeting in all caps because he was doing some batshit crazy stuff, jumping up in plays that I've never seen him do before. And I have to think that that's because of Jim Montgomery's system and not yeah. just Montgomery too. But like you think about, like you just said, like Charlie McAvoy, you know, top five defense in the NHL, only 27 as well, who also joined the Bruins 
really young early in his career. Young, he was younger than uh, Lorai was when he made the jump to the NHL. So you got to think that, you know, he does have Charlie McAvoy in his corner, you know, kind of helping him through the whole process. You know, you have Lynn Holm who came over from another, from another team who was new to this system as well a couple years ago, who was thriving. Um, and you also have, of course, you know, the greatest big man to ever do it, Zane Ochara, who's around the team still all the time. So there's plenty of players in this community and this team, this organization, who can kind of take him under his wing and, and to help him blossom into the player who we think he's going to be. Because, I, And I think that's why, like, I'm so confident that um, the player that Mason Lowry can be is the player that we all think he's, he's going to be. And I think he's going to be a legitimate top four defensive player, maybe even better than that in this system to come. Yeah, and not even to mention, too, right, like – we had a question come in last week from Jack, our, our boy from across the pond. Um, he was saying, what's the identity of this team? Like, what's it going to be? And he said, shithousery. So the, uh, to reference that question from the previous episode, um, this team right now is kind of we're, we're entering a new era. Right. So why not bring two, two of these guys in Patra and Lorai into the into the team right now and let them gel with what's going to be the future core of the next wave of the Bruins era hockey. Yeah, um, and, and Jackson, especially, dude, exactly. And like, they're going to learn from these guys and they're going to gel with them and then they're going to feel like they're a part of this team. They're uh, not feel like a part of this team. They're going to be a part of this team, and that way you don't have to go through this whole you know, scenario again next year where all of a sudden Patra finds himself in the same spot. Lorai finds himself in the same spot. Lysel is, I mean, he's probably in that same spot next year anyways, but unless he pops off in, in Providence, but let them learn and let them integrate into this team and become part of the unit. You know what I mean? Exactly. And it's always exciting too, when young players make the jump, like I feel like, you know, the last four or five seasons, especially for the Bruins, as this core was getting to the end, they were just, they were shipping out young guys and young guys who might have thought they had an opportunity. Suddenly the door was shut because the Bruins just traded for a guy who's now their new, you know, second line winger or third line winger depth piece. And I like, I'm trying to think like the, I feel like the last like young forward to come up in, you know, through the system and to make this team and to be an everyday player. Is that Jake DeBrusque? I mean, that was like seven years ago. I was actually going to say, I think we're stupid, like really, really stupid because we were talking about, you know who are the last Bruins players to come up in their like is it DeBrus? I don't know. I was gonna. I don't think it's JD, but like, dude, Pasta and McAvoy. I'm pretty. Oh sure my god, we're both teenagers. Oh yeah, Pasta was definitely 19, dude. We are dumb. We're dumb. I, it just popped in my head. I, I'm sure people are yelling at their radios right now too, or their stereos, <laughs> whatever. Be like, got like guys, Pasta, McAvoy, yeah, I maybe mean, JD. DeBrusque, DeBrusque was 21, but still, I mean, those, those players and, and you're totally right, but I mean, that was, that was like seven years ago now yeah. when, when, yeah. when Pasta made the jump, when Macro made the jump and you dude, really haven't had a seventh season. Yeah, I know. That's crazy, dude. <laughs> it's nuts. And I still remember that draft like it was yesterday. Yeah. So was the rest of the Bruins nation, believe me. But that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, I feel like it's been so long since you've been able to graduate one of these guys from your from your youth system. And they've been able to really, like, make a difference. And, like, I'm not just yeah. talking about, like, a guy having a cup of coffee in the NHL, you know, like uh, like Ryan Spooner or Ryan Donato or anybody like that. Like, a guy like Pasta who came up through the system who is an everyday top six player. A guy like DeBrusque who came up through the system who's an everyday top six player. Charlie McAvoy. Brandon Carlo, there's another one as well. I don't know how young he was when he made the jump, but that's why I like so excited about Lorai, uh, even though he's 22, not a teenager, and about um, 
Portois because these are young guys who, and I guess Portois, you can't even, if he makes the Bruins this year, do you even get to say he made, you know, he made it through the system? Cause he just came right over from the OHL, <laughs> but still like, you know what I mean? Like it's exciting yeah. to have some homegrown, homegrown youth talent interject into the system. Cause it's felt like for the last couple of years, rightfully so they were kind of just pushing all their chips to the, into the pile, trading for guys like Bertuzzi, making moves, getting Orlov. I mean, this is all, these are all just moves from last year alone. And uh, now that they're gone and the Bruins have some cap room moving up, um, you know, in the future, it's exciting to see some of these young guys now make that jump. It is exciting. And um, if they don't get the, especially Patra, if he doesn't get that nine game, you know, stint in the beginning of the year, I'm going to kind of question it a little bit. Like for, is that allowed though for the OHL? Like if a player plays nine games or if they play a single game in the NHL, are they allowed to then come back and play in juniors? Yes, it's nine games max. And then same thing, Boston or juniors, but nine games max, you can get that trial. And then the team has to make a decision. You know what really kind of pisses me off? Like the NHL, like when players get drafted, their pictures look so dumb. They can't do anything about that. Like, did you see the picture of Portois? He was sitting on a chair in like a Bruins jersey. He was wearing a Bruins jersey, I think, with like brown loafers and blue uh, dress pants, holding a wooden stick. Like, come on, you know, yeah. like, like, you know, like the end, like the NFL, you know, they get the hat, they're wearing the jersey and everything. It's the, the NBA, they're up dapping the commissioner. NHL's like their rookie photos is always them holding a stick, like a wooden stick sitting in a chair, or they do the thing where they have, they point the stick at the camera and they do all this <laughs> shit. Like, come on, like somebody's got to help these guys out. I don't remember who it was, but this was a long time ago. It might have been, it was either Ovi or Sid, I think. I could be wrong, but one of them took a picture in their draft day photo of their stick on fire, doing a little like pointing it at the camera. It might not have been them two, but damn it, who was it? I'm I'm going to look it up right now. I've seen that before. That, That to me, that seems like a stock photo. Like, I feel like I could pull that from Getty Images. Like, that doesn't even feel like a real photo. You know what was cool? Do you remember, um, before the draft, I don't remember when it was. It was like 10 years ago, but when Sonny Milano was going on that whole media tour because he could do like stick tricks in the parking lot. Like it was, I remember he, before he was drafted, he was in the parking lot, like flipping pucks like 30 feet in the air and catching it on a stick and like kicking it with his heel. And I was like, holy shit, this guy's going top 10. Yeah. Um, Damn it. I can't find the picture. Um, yeah. If anybody has that, let me know. Let me know who it was um, because I, I simply can't find it. Mike Bossy once in Sports Illustrated, I mean, he has a picture of his stick on fire, but that wasn't a draft photo. But um, yeah, man, I, I I think at the end of the day, Patra has shown you enough where he <laughs> deserves the the nine game look in the in the league to start. I found year. it. You found it's, it. Who was it? It's it's Sidney Crosby, and he's just standing there holding, going like this, just holding a puck in his hand that's on fire. Oh, that's it. Yeah, no, I look. I mean, it looks ridiculous. <laughs> Why I'm, looking, we, I'm looking it up right now. Just Google Crosby rookie puck on fire. All right, let me see. You know how cool that would have been if it was Ovi instead? I know. That's why I thought it would be Ovi. It would make more sense. I mean, I guess Crosby was a Well, he did do the stick on fire celebration. Oh, yeah, there it is. That's so funny. You know, was, did you ever see the uh, the commercial that Ovi's in? Him and um, was it Braden Holpe? When they're in the office and they're like trying to steal something yes. from the printer and he comes down from the ceiling. I don't yes. know what he says. He says something funny though, but I used to love those ESPN commercials. I know, I know. 
Um, but yeah. Um, anyway, I think we should probably hop over to to the DMs, and I think we kind of have a new tradition here, along with Ethan 2.0 and his two parters, um, Jack from across the pond. Uh, we're oh, gonna yeah. open up the DM segment with with a little ode to um, to the to the to the British to to Jack and his questions. So Mel is gonna read it in honor of Jack and his accent and and enjoy the question. All right, this is from our friend across the pond, Jack. You can follow Jack on Twitter at a Jack B underscore. <clears throat> uh, last episode we. We were reading his question and we talked about how the heck did this guy become a Bruins fan living in in across the, I think it's in England, right? I believe so. Living in living in Great Britain. We'll leave it at that. How did you become a Bruins fan? I didn't even think that the Bruins would would, you know, stretch that far. And he said, <clears throat> Hello chaps. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> On the last pod, you guys asked how I came to be a Bruins fan over here. I just, I can't do this. I'm sorry. No, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. Come oh, God. <clears throat> I just started. <laughs> no, I can't do it. I'm sorry. It's way too long. No. He said, I just started watching NHL clips on YouTube because being able to body check someone is such a novelty to me as a football fan. I'm referring to soccer. Obviously, wanting to pick a team, I initially tried Florida as it's the only place in the States I'd been to at that point, but I've seen better atmospheres in a library compared to their arena, so couldn't bring myself to support a team with 10 fans in attendance each game. Then I realized that most of the players in the clips I was watching played for the Bruins, so I started taking more of an interest in them. Sean Thornton popped up in the clips. So I slapped him on the top line when I invested in NHL on PlayStation and just penalty killed my way to glory on Hockey <laughs> Ultimate Team. And I love it. I love it. That's dedication. Yeah, Sean Thornton on the top line too. <laughs> the only way to watch hockey over here, aside from giving my laptop all sorts of diseases by streaming it, mm. is Sportsnet YouTube 10-minute highlights and behind the beat on Bruins YouTube channel, which is kind of a shame. My question for you guys this week is which arena do you think is the most intimidating to play in as a player? Could be purely down to the noise levels in there, the home team turning it into a fortress and just always seeming to win at home, or it could be down to the fans getting on your back. A big one for intimidating atmospheres in European football would be, oh God, Galatasaray in Turkey. I don't know if I said that right, but he said it's called Welcome to Hell and an obscene amount of red flares are lit. There's loads of clips on YouTube if you need them. I'd love to go and watch their team play against their rivals. I also can't say that, but I also quite like being alive, so that'll ever go. Cheers. Well, Phenomenal question. Dude, that's a great question. And and I think we last time we read his question, I think I was talking about how there was a, a soccer stadium in Europe somewhere that has red flares. I think I might, I think I might've said it was like PSG or something, but I know, I think I know the clip he's talking about. It, it definitely looks like they're going to hell. Yeah. Um, Dude, I have my answer. I, I want to hear yours. Cause I'm, I don't really know. All right. So he, so I had my answer before he even mentioned this word, but the, him mentioning the word fortress solidified it for me. It's gotta be Vegas, dude. The Vegas has the light show. Vegas's fans are loud. Vegas has those drummers with the crazy like sunglasses. Yeah. Vegas has the intros. They have the night guy that comes in and does like the little like intro to the game. Um, they're loud. The fans are loud. The Vegas as a city is insane. They call it Sin City. 
Um, they already won a cup. I think they're five or six years into existence. They went to the cup in their first year. Um, and on top of all that, they literally, the nickname for their rink is the fortress. So for me, it's Vegas all day. For me, it's Vegas all day. I think that's a good pick, but I feel like I feel like it would just be Vegas because it's loud. Like to me, that doesn't intimidate me. Like just guys banging on drums and the light shows and everything. I don't know. I think when I thought about this question, the first thing I thought about was, well, okay, let's do it this way. I'm gonna say Montreal. That's but, a good pick. But but only when they're really good. Yeah. Like those early 2010s Boston Montreal series when they're playing that stupid ass goal horn and mm-hmm. it was always a battle. And if you're an American player going into Montreal, you have no idea what the fans are saying because they're speaking French. Most of them are speaking French, but you know it's probably not good. They are, they ride and die for their team so much that if you injure one of their players, albeit it was pretty intense, they will go to the police and file a report on you. Zidane Chara was almost arrested in Montreal because he. He hit Max Pacioretty to the boards, and albeit it was a you know a, an egregious hit at the time, but like <laughs> playing in in Montreal, it is so loud. They are so, so passionate loud. about their team, but not even just that. From a media level as well, like Toronto, Montreal, hell, absolute hell. Like their reporters are insane. Good luck doing you know a post game press conference after you just you know lose a nail biter to Montreal in a playoff series or something like that. Montreal, I know like it's. It, it, it was a little different, you know, in the last handful of years, uh, mostly post-COVID, you know, when, well, A, they, you know, they couldn't have fans in the stadium for a while in Canada, but B, they also, like, weren't very good. So, right. like, you know, the level of devotion, I mean, there's always going to be crazy fans in Montreal, but it wasn't compared to, like, 12 years ago when, like, P.K. Subban, like, when he's doing all his stupid shit in the defensive zone and everybody's going crazy and they're banging the glass, like, there was no place like the Bell Center when Montreal's jumping. But there I think that there's also a fine line because Montreal has to be good, I feel like, for it to really be that intimidating of a place. Yeah. And when you were mentioning the early 2010s, right? Like when you were going in there for that that obviously the Bruins Cup run in 2011, when you were going into Montreal, you're down two games to none. Um the obviously the 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 game broadcast starts, they're panning across like the the rink as the players are coming out. Every single fan is that in there is screaming their hearts out. It's so goddamn loud you can hardly hear the horn. Yeah. Every fan is wearing a jersey. The, the the it's it's covered in red like like it's just it's like a bloodbath everywhere. Oh my god. They're waving those white towels, the horns going off, the players are skating out. If you're like a Bruins fan in that atmosphere or got or albeit like one of the players on the Bruins skating out into that, you're like that's what oh, I'm saying. Fuck. And I feel like, you know, part of my reason is also because I'm a Bruins fan, but like, I, that's why I feel like if, you know, if you play in Vegas, there are diehard fans in Vegas. Yep. At the same time, you know, it's, you've been a diehard for six years. I mean, there's diehards in, in, in Montreal have been a diehard for 80 years, however long the team's been around since they've been born. But I feel like when you go into Vegas, the intimidating factor is the Vegas factor, right? Because mm-hmm. everything is so, um, elegant it's so extravagant it's over the top they have fire they have light shows their mascots are like ziplining down from above they got guys skating around with flags and full night armor they got a whole thing banging drums and all that shit i feel like that's part of the show and i feel like when you go into vegas you're like wow like this is 
kind of cool. I don't feel like you're like, oh my God, like it's, you know, like I feel like it's, it's just part of the experience I think of going to Vegas, whereas like in Montreal, like you go there and you have a bunch of French people screaming expletives at you because they want to like rip your heart out because they love hockey. And, yeah. you know, you're, you, you're probably, you're, the bus is driving in and you got fans with signs throwing shit at the windows, you know, yelling all kinds of stuff at you. You know, you have guys banging the glass and this isn't to say that they're not, you know, passionate in Vegas, but I just feel like, you know, in Montreal, it's strictly hockey. And yeah. like, I would be shitting my pants if I was a Boston Bruins player in like 2010 going into Montreal to play, you know, game 80 or something end of the year, or like a playoff game. I, I, that would be terrifying, but I feel like yeah. really you could, I feel like almost every Canadian rink is, is kind of terrifying <laughs> to play. And honestly, like Toronto yeah. would also absolutely suck i would hate driving to toronto to have for every reason i just said about montreal but i feel like when it's boston montreal when montreal's good it's a different level than boston toronto it's it's like almost equivalent to red sox yankees like yeah. like literally and I, but, I feel like like boston toronto they've like they've the they're, toronto's been boston's biggest rival for the last decade yep a little more than a decade but i feel like a because couple of reasons they keep meeting each other in the playoffs the bruins keep kicking the shit out of them but i feel like most importantly it's because montreal has been really bad like if montreal is like you're battling like one and two in the atlantic every year with montreal instead of toronto i feel like you know you're still you still hate toronto but i feel like they don't overtake montreal the last decade or so like when montreal is good again and they're starting to get young young players in place and they're starting to make their rise i feel like that that intensity that we had you know when char was here when like jack said sean thornton was here and all these guys are here i feel like it's going to return and i'm so excited for that yeah no i am too it's like when when boston and montreal are both contenders they're each other's rival 100 and then toronto's just kind of like the little brother that's trying to yeah hey don't forget about struggle. us yeah and it's like shot made it to like, the second round this year just a quick little elbow to the jaw and yeah. just get them quiet real quick but Come on, let the big boys play yeah shout out jack um uh, phenomenal question as usual dude but this next one comes in another um an, another uh what's, what's the word i'm looking for freaking tradition i guess and the dm segment for the something's brewing podcast is ethan's two ethan 2.0's two-parters so you can follow him on twitter <laughs> at incredible mr e7 um he said for part one he said where does mitchell fall in line with this roster um i, I we kind of answered it earlier in the show i say seventh defenseman for sure yeah i'm right there with you and then his second part says, with how the kids looked in preseason, do Brown and Greer get traded at some point or do they get sent to Providence and end up like Wags as veteran leadership and maybe a call up here and there? I think Brown for sure falls into that category. I think Greer is a little wishy-washy. I'm not sure yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't like I don't know what kind I don't know what benefits Greer would give to Providence, if I'm being 100 percent honest with you. I mean, he's he's not putting up points, um, and I feel bad because I feel like whenever we talk about Greer, it just turns it just sounds like I'm shitting on the guy. But I I like he's not going to put up a bunch of points in Providence. That's really not his style of play. Um, and like I don't really know what kind of leadership he would give to Providence because he's played like 40 games with the Bruins. Like he can I don't know. I just I feel like it, he might be a, a candidate to get 
traded, but at the same time, I don't, I don't know who would really trade for Greer. And again, I feel bad, yeah. but I just, I like, I don't really think that there's much of a future with him making an impact on the Bruins roster. And if that's the case, then why bother sending him to Providence? Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, so shout out to Ethan. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter again at Incredible Mister E Seven. Um, the next question comes in from Tommy Bennett. Shout out to Running with Tommy. The Tommy. Um, follow him on Twitter at TJ Bennett Thirty Seven. He said, "I really think Patra has a case to make the roster. However, if the play is putting him on a line with bigger guys like Geeky and Frederick, send him to the OHL." He's best suited with skill guys. Coyle is a great 3C, but I'm sure they'd love to see what he can do further. I'm kind of with him on that. Um, Because, I, like I said, like when you asked me earlier, where would you put Patra in the lineup if he if he's in? I said second line. And you're not putting guys like Geeky or... Eh, Frederick, you can make an argument, but I think Frederick is best suited with Coyle anyways. And... If you have Potra, I think he plays second line. You don't keep Potra here to play third or fourth line minutes. Definitely not fourth line minutes. I mean, I know like the Bruins, they have they have some depth in their bottom six. It seems like they have a, a mishmash of players that they can put anywhere. But if you, if 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 Potra plays second line minutes for the first nine games, impresses the Bruins, keep him around all year, and he's your he's your two line C, and Coil is all of a sudden back to your third line center role. I mean, how different do you feel about the depth and about what this team can do? Because I mean, we're talking about having Coil as your second line center, Geeky as your third line center, and then I guess Bokvist is number four. Yeah, but like, it, yeah it, it would beat you now, right? But if if you can have you know. Portois come and act and contribute a guy who you didn't expect playing second line center minutes and that awards you the luxury of now putting coil on your third line center the best third line center in the league is back doing what he does best i mean whoa like i i feel like that's something you didn't really anticipate happening before the preseason started <laughs> what are you laughing at just the whoa <laughs> whoa <laughs> oh yes <laughs> yeah yeah oh yes no i i 100 agree with you dude um I think if he's if he's up, he should be playing at least with one or the other Marshawn or Pasa on, on yeah. either side of the wing, for sure. And that's why, like, like I know Lysel's back in Providence, but, like, I saw people saying that, like, you know, Lysel should be playing fourth-line minutes. No. I don't – yeah, that I, I don't agree with that for the same reason. I think that the level of players that he has to be around – oh, crap, my computer isn't plugged in. I thought I plugged it in. <laughs> Sorry, no. I just got a thing. I'm, I'm 5%. I saw, I saw your eyes just bug. I was like, yeah. what did you just well, I was see? like, what's going on? Um, but, yeah, no, for, for the same reason of, of Portois. I mean, you can't just throw – he's on a fourth-line player. you got to put him around the right guy. So, for Portois, I mean, his, his game, I feel like is you've seen it in the preseason, he makes guys better. He's a playmaker. He's also got one hell of a shot on him too. Yeah. Um, and if you can stick him in the second line with Jake DeBrusque on one side and you know Geeky, I'm not Geeky, sorry, Frederick or, or JVR on his left. I mean, if, if you can kind of squeeze that lemon and get production out of out of uh, Porto on your second line center that you didn't think you were gonna get heading into this year, if you everybody had Coil penciled penciled in as your second line center, like I feel like that. I don't know. I mean, might kind of change things around here in terms of how optimistic we are for this season. I think I would go – I think I would go – oh, man. Zaka? No. You know what? Fuck it. I would go Marshawn, Coyle, DeBrusque. 
Number one line. Second line. Listen, listen. Second line. That line sucks. Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> Second line, I would go Zaka on the left. Patra on your... Patra in the middle. Pasta on the right. Third line, I would go JVR, Geeky... Oh, but I don't want to split up Coil and Frederick. Fuck. Whatever. For this, we're going to go JVR, Geeky, Freddy. And then fourth line, Lucic, Beecher, Lauko. Here's what I'm doing. First line, I'm going Marshawn. I'm going Izaka. And I'm going to Brusque. Second okay. line, I'm going... <sighs> I'm going Frederick. I'm going... Portois and I'm going pasta. Third line, okay. I'm going uh, JVR, Geeky, and Lauko. And fourth line, Lucic, Beecher, Mark McLaughlin. I don't hate that, dude. That's the thing. Like, if you can. Wait, what about Dan Heinen? Uh, if you can. <laughs> if you can. And, you know, if you can integrate posture in a lineup all of a sudden you have a lot of options yeah you have a lot more flexibility um, you do but i also kind of like bokefist like i know he's just a fourth line guy but i kind of yeah. wanted to see what he would be able to wait did i who did i say for my fourth line center did i say bokefist beecher okay good i was gonna say i'm gonna say beecher but uh yeah. yeah no either way i mean there's there's nothing negative coming out of what Portois doing. He's really turning a lot of heads too, and you can tell. I think that Don Sweeney and the Bruins org are really excited if they're playing him. You know, getting one last look uh, playing second night of a back to back here tonight, or if you're listening yeah. to this tomorrow morning, last yeah. night. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So shout out Tommy. Give Running with the Devils a, uh, a listen, especially if you're a Devils fan. But if you're a hockey fan, it's just another pod to listen to. So so uh, definitely go give that one a listen. But this next question comes in, and we were just kind of talking about expectations. Um, this next question comes in from Megan Holden Savler. You can follow her on Twitter at Megan Holden 98. Um, she said, what is your realistic expectations for the season versus what are some things you are hoping for besides the obvious? I think my realistic expectations for this season is third in the Atlantic and, or number one wild card. One of those two. How many points? At least 98. Ooh, you think they're going to be knocking on 100 points? Sniffing on 100, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I, yeah, I think that they're, they're going to make the playoffs. Um, you know, yep. where they're going to be in the seating. Um, you know, I don't know. I I, I want to say they're like, oh, well, if... if okay, if, if Portois sticks around... And if he can really contribute, and if 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 he can play like a second line center, I feel like that really changes a lot for this team. Right. And I think if he sticks, and you're able to put you know Coil back on that third line, and like I don't, I have no idea what kind of production you would get from. And that's why, like I, I I feel bad, and I kind of go around my head because if Portman makes the team, he's your second line center. Is it is it crazy of me to say like I want to see like fifty plus points from this kid because he put up three points in the preseason? Like I feel like that's unfair to him to, to set expectations that high for a nineteen year old kid. But at the same time, if he can do that, I feel like this is a hundred point team. I feel like this is a team that isn't a wild card. Like this could be you know a top three seed in the Atlantic or or whatever it is. I don't really know how the playoffs work anymore. But um, 
No, I mean, I think that this is a team that can make some noise. I mean, they're definitely not going to be as good as they were last year. They're not going to get 105 points, wherever the hell they were, but this is still a very deep team. This is a team that's returning, you know, the best one-two goalie combo in the league. This is a team that's still with the loss of Orlov um, and my guy, Connor Cliflin. They still have one of the deepest uh, defensive cores, defensive units in the NHL, and they still have a 61 goal score. They still have Brad Marchand. They still have some pieces. So um, I think that the biggest thing for the Bruins might be the Atlantic. It is so stacked, and these yep. teams are absolutely ridiculous. Um, but I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, Portois sticks, 105 points for the Bruins, not for him. And that's what you're hoping for. Yes, I'm hoping for. Hmm, I'm hoping for. Jeremy Swayman and Linus Allmark to put up above average numbers as a goalie tandem again this season. That's going to be huge. You know what? I'm hoping we got one last year. I'm hoping for another. I want a goal out of Jeremy Swayman this year. Ooh, I like that. I like <laughs> I'm putting that, the challenge on him. Goalie Bob. <laughs> yeah, goalie Bob, dude. I mean, the tally's 1-0 right now for Allmark, but Shout out to <laughs> Megan. Uh, thank you for the question. The next one comes in from Ian Kennedy. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Kennedy I fifty seven. He said, "Oh, wait, plug, wait, plug his pod." Um, hang on. Let me, his, pull, <laughs> let me pull it up in front of me. I know it's I U B B. I believe it's um indie indie bleeds blue podcast yeah um you can follow them on twitter at in bleeds blue 317 covering the indiana indiana covering the indianapolis colts on the primetime productions network so shout out to them um also with megan um she is a member of the let me see right here. She's a member of the voice of pats nation podcast with um i with ttm brian of Patriots Twitter, also partner with Primetime Prods. Um, so make sure, you know, be on the lookout for that. We're pumped to have them uh, join the network. Um, so two new shows, two new football shows joining the network. So big day for Primetime, uh, big day for our team here. Um, so just, yeah, definitely be on the lookout for that. But Ian asked us, outside of Patra, which prospect do you see as a lock to make the regular season roster for game one? His would be Beecher or Lorai. Mine right now is Beecher. I think Beecher is your four C to start the year. Yeah, and I still don't think. I don't think Laura is a lock. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I think he's close. No, Mm -hmm. I don't think. Okay, I won't. I won't use the term lock, but I, you know, I think that he's getting serious looks. Um, and he's making it. He's making it difficult. He's he he's, definitely he's is giving them the option for sure. He, He definitely is, and um, I think Johnny Beecher, by the way, who doesn't want to go by John anymore. Johnny Beecher, Johnny. I think, is uh, the next guy up in terms of who's closest to being a lock. And uh, I think he's going to do really great if, if he is a lock. He makes a team in that fourth line center role. Because he came in like, I, like a, I think, center, which, is, which, is, which is funny too, because before the preseason started, we were talking about him saying like, this is kind of it. Like mm-hmm. drafted like four or five years ago now, former first round pick. He's like 22, 23 years old. And, you know, like, now is your chance. Like, you've been in the system forever. Like, you, when are you going to do something? And I feel like he came into training camp, had a great training camp. Preseason, he shot out like a 
bat out of hell. Like he's been playing out of his mind. That goal he had in the first preseason game, I still look, look at it from time to time. That thing was freaking beautiful. I had no idea yeah. he had wheels like that. So smooth, um, dude. And, he's and so I just, quick. He is. And I think that his game, I feel like his game really translates well to really any line. I feel like he, he'll step in. He'll be a great fourth line center. I feel like the kind of play that he has and his style of play, I feel like is an effective play style on all four lines. I'm not saying he's a first line talent. I'm not saying he's a second line talent. I'm not even saying he's a third line talent, but there are certain players who give themselves the identity of a fourth line player and he's not one of them, but he can produce and be productive on that fourth line. Yeah. And I remember last season too, um, I had wrote, I'd I'd written an article kind of comparing Johnny Beecher to Charlie Coyle in the way that they play excuse me, in the way that they play, um, the way they carry themselves. Um, their size is similar. I've got the Miller Light burps right You're now. You're fighting it right now, I dude. I can I see know. it on your face. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think he's, I think a player comp very similar to him is Charlie Coyle. And if, um, I think we're going to see a lot of that this year, and especially playing with him too. We can learn from him and watch him and kind of pick up these little intangibles just by watching Coyle play. It's interesting, too, because I always look at, you know, size of centers because, I mean, leaning on big bodies all game and in the faceoff dot, I mean, that can weigh you down. And, I mean, Zaka's not a physical player, but he's a big guy. 6'3", if Portois, you know, makes a team, he's your second-line center. He's totally different style of play, 5'11", speedy, short, quick guy. You have Charlie Coyle, who's 6'3", who's a big boy, and he can use his body. And then you have Johnny Beecher, who's also like 6'3". I mean, the Bruins have some massive centers. Even if um, – I think Geeky's like 6'2 himself, isn't he? Yep. Frederick yep. Frederick can play center. He's a pretty big boy. I mean, the, the Bruins have some pretty feisty, some pretty big centers on this team. Minus Portois, but – Yeah. So shout-out Kennedy. Uh, shout-out uh, IIUB. Uh, look out for their first episode. But the next question comes in from Grace Roberts, um, another host of a podcast on this network, All Goals, No Misses, along with um, Cross Court Coverage. Our cross Court Coverage with Meat Man, the man, the myth, the <laughs> uh, But she said, Oh, you can follow her on Twitter at GRobs underscore Boston. She says, Who do you think will be the worst team in the league this year? I think it's obvious. I think it's the Sharks. I think the Sharks are going to be god-awful. I think most AHL teams could probably beat them and put up a fight every game. They're going to just – they're number one. They're the number one pick this year. Yeah. Who did the Sharks draft this year? Uh, Will Smith. The actor? Yep. He's Lisa. The catcher for the Dodgers? You're gonna need. You're gonna. He's gonna need to bring the flashy device from Men in Black to and flash all the Sharks fans to forget this season. Dude. <laughs> he's gonna flash all the Sharks fans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, he is. <laughs> I know. I mean, the, the Sharks were an absolute dumpster fire last year, then traded their hundred point defenseman away. So they're they're the runaway favorites for the worst uh, worst team in the league. Now, who is projected to go number one next year? Macklin Celebrini or Cole Iserman, who are both at BU. So, oh my God, that's yeah. right. BU is building a super team just to lose the Quinnipiac. But no, <laughs> San Jose is definitely gonna definitely gonna suck this year. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, I wonder what. I wonder what Chicago is gonna be like this year because they were obviously a dumpster fire last year. I mean, Bedard. I don't know what he's going to enter the league and do. I know that – I mean, Chris Davis was so confident in him. He drafted him in like the third round in our fantasy <laughs> hockey draft last <laughs> night. Um, but, I mean, him – I mean, they just got 
Taylor Hall. I mean, they're not going to be great, but I wonder how you know much better they're going to be than they were last year. They could be adding Derek Forbert. Dude, they're I'm looking at their lineups right now on Daily Faceoff. Their first line, decent. Second and third line, God, throw it in the dumpster. (laughs) Fourth line is decent. First line is Taylor Hall, Bedard, and Tyler Johnson. Decent first line. Second line is Kurashev, Reichel, and Athanasiu. Third line, (laughs) Ryan Donato, Cole Gutman, and Taylor Radish. (laughs) Fourth line, Felino, Dickinson, and Perry. So... And then oh, you know, like literally Seth Jones and Connor Murphy. Not even Connor Murphy. Seth Jones is their only like viable defensive. Well, because defensive. they lost Ian Mitchell. Right. And then they're <laughs> dude, and then their goaltending is Mrazic and, and Soderblom. They're ew, dude. They're oh Yeah, no, God. they suck, but, but, but they Bedard, have Bedard dude, Bedard and, is gonna put up forty. He's gonna put up forty goals. You really you think he's gonna step in? I, think, I mean I think so. 35 at least. I mean, Matthew stepped in the league and put up like 41, didn't he? 42? I, I believe so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but Matthew's had a better supporting. Like uh, but he's playing with Taylor Hall and Tyler Johnson. I mean, that is a pretty good line, but like they're going to have to do everything, right. literally everything. And putting that much um, offensive reliability on an 18-year-old kid, if anybody can do it, I mean, it's going to be Connor Bedard. But. Right. I'm just I'm looking forward like like I wonder if he were to be drafted by like I don't know um literally any other team <laughs> like what would his production look like if he had like if he was on in uh, Columbus instead of Fantilli and he was on a line with like Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Vine with, yeah, oh with my guys God. like Yeah like like what kind of production would he be able to do there compared to what he's going to be doing in Chicago Dude, he's probably and, putting and 100 points. Could you imagine if Chicago didn't trade for Taylor Hall? Like, right. holy hell, dude, that team would suck. I mean, they, yeah, they we, already do suck, but... I, yeah, we did them a favor. Bedard would really be in purgatory. Bedard should thank us, honestly. He should. Um, but the next one comes in from Brad Marshawn, C-tier collector. Um, you can follow them on Twitter at AudiFan underscore 12. Uh, they say, who starts in net? Game one, two, and three. Linus, Olmark. And then Swayman, and then Olmark. <laughs> <laughs> I I think it's going to be Olmark, Olmark, Sway. I think they're going to go two for Olmark right off the bat in the Sway. How many um, is, is it? No back-to-backs? It's three games in six days? Um, Tell you in just I a second. I wouldn't think it would be back-to-back, but they are doing a yeah. West Coast trip. No, no back-to-backs. There's... Um, October 11th is the first game against Chicago, and then the Predators against – I mean, I'm sorry. The Predators on October 14th, and then the Sharks October 19th. So Yeah, I mean, Omark is definitely going to game one. Yeah, I would say yeah. so, for sure. Yeah, Omark swimming, Omark, or Omark, Omark swimming. I don't hate starting Omark back-to-back, too, to you know kind of get his feet wet if the season started because he's going to yeah. be the guy, hopefully. Yeah, unless Montgomery's kind of thinking about, you know, fight for this number one spot, even though or, there really isn't a number one spot. What if they do Olmark Bussy? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Olmark or Bussy Bussy Kaiser Thomas. 
<laughs> Brask. Tuka's coming back. <laughs> um, yeah, but shout out, shout out to you, uh, Audi fan. Um, last one comes in from Stu brings a bass. Shout out to Stu. He took our clip of AJ Greer last week. Oh, uh, that was a over the video. That, that was, was awesome. awesome. Um, but he says, hot take voted most hated team in the league plus last plus last season's ending equals top four finish. So um honestly I could see it dude. Yeah. I could see it. I could see Are it. you surprised the Bruins were voted most hated? Uh no. Especially coming off the year that we just had plus our captain is now a rat. Um nah. that we are in we're just good forever. I'm on a I'm a bit surprised. Who I would you? expect Toronto. Ah, yeah, yeah. I mean, me come too. on. Especially like yeah. after like everything, and and I, like I don't know. Like I feel like um, if you ask a Sharks fan, do they hate Toronto? I don't know. They might. I mean, I despise Toronto. A uh, beautiful city, but the team, like the Maple Leafs, can't I, stand them. I think the Leafs are looked at more of like a joke. Like if if the if the if the poll but, was like who's the biggest joke of a franchise, I think it would be Leafs. But that's why I hate them because they think that they're not. And like, <laughs> right, that's, that's true. Like, yeah, like like for the Bruins, I can understand why you hate the Bruins, and I feel like hating the Bruins also has a lot to do with the city because like you know Boston, you know city of champions because we are. But and I feel like that kind of plays into it. Uh, but I mean like. The Bruins, like I feel like, like they've had a lot of regular season success. They haven't had a lot of, uh, you know, they haven't won a Stanley Cup since 2011. We still yeah. talk a lot. You know, we fans are emotional. We love our team. We're passionate. They make big moves, big trades. But like, I feel like our players, like other than Marshawn, like Bergeron was beloved. Everybody loves Pasta. I mean, um, everybody loves Charlie Coyle. I feel like, whereas like Toronto, I hate Austin Matthews. Um, like I don't like Mitch Barter, John Tavares. Don't even get me started. Like I feel yeah. like I could go through their whole lineup and, and tell you why I hate every guy. Um, Tyler Bertuzzi. Like I do. I, I guess I got to lump him in now too. He can go to hell. And like I feel yeah. like I just like I feel like most. But that's why I don't know if that's just because I'm a Bruins fan. Again, like if you were to ask like a Arizona Coyotes fan, although actually they might hate Toronto because they just took Austin Matthews away from them. Yeah. The Arizona kid isn't coming home, but no, I feel like I feel like Toronto should have been number one, and I feel like the Bruins should have been like uh, top three, definitely top three, two or three. Yeah. I would be happy with. But the sea Boston mean, about Toronto surprised me. I kind of like being the most hated team, though. It's also, it's Boston versus the world. The way it is, oh yeah, everything, dude. No, it's but, great. But um, yeah, that was it for the DMs, man. But we do have a surprise coming for NHL twenty four. With some boys from the network. Mel, oh. you want to talk about it? I'll talk about it. Yeah. So, of course, as you know, today is Tuesday, October 3rd. Um, yes. Any good news, everybody? NHL 24 just came out today if you pre ordered the expensive, expensive version, which I did not because I'm broke. I know Sully did. Yeah. But this yeah. Friday, <laughs> this Friday is the grand release of NHL 24. It is cross platform, which means that there will be an official primetime productions EASHL team. Last year, we had the Somethings Bruin team. It was me. It was Sully. It was our buddy Connor. Last year, NHL 23, 
there was also the only Bruins team. There was Boosie, there was Brett, there was Meatman, there was a bunch of people. There was a two-pad stack team. We all had our own team. This year, there's a primetime productions team featuring myself, Sully, our buddy Connor, as well as the fellas from the only Bruins pod, Brett, downtown Boosie. Believe Meatman's joining the team as well. We got six of us right there already. The primetime productions ESHL team, instead of having to watch, you know, us play on our own separate teams, we're all in one team now, baby. And our first stream is this Friday. Oh, yeah. October 6th. Catch us on the primetime productions Twitch. You can subscribe to the channel at primetime prods. Me, Sully, Boosie, Brett, and I think Meat Man, the five of us will be streaming ESHL together for the first time in history this Friday on Twitch. Don't miss it. We don't have an official time yet. I know it will be in the evening sometime. We'll be playing all throughout the night. So make sure you mark your calendars. Clear your schedule on Friday afternoon. Sit down in front of a computer, phone, TV, whatever. Crack open a beer. Don't be afraid to tap in. It's October. It's okay. You can drink pumpkin beers and not be scrutinized. <laughs> Get ready to watch the fellas play some EA, EASHL together starting this Friday. And this will be a thing that's going to happen regularly for months and months and months. They, I don't know what took in NHL so long to get cross-platform, but it's finally here. And the fellas are finally playing together. And I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm pumped up, dude. Um, it was it was always fun to tap into like the only Bruins stream, uh, I streams. And, and our streams as well. But now that we're all solidified on one team starting fresh, dude, it's going to be a yeah. hell of a ride. I, I should add as well that we're still going to have our own separate streams too, if I'm not mistaken. Like I know only Bruins, they yelled at me last time, they stream on Wednesdays. Um, they're still going to be doing their streams on Wednesdays. Sully and I might pop in and play some games with them. We also might not. They might play with other people as well. We're still going to stream on our Something's Bruins, which on Thursdays with me sully connor maybe the only bruins boys were joined too maybe not but what will happen is this friday you will get the something Bruins boys as well as the only bruins fellows as well as marty the meat man all playing together on one team and i'm like foaming at the mouth i just want to fast forward to friday afternoon so i can hop on the sticks yeah and i also uh before we hopped onto the podcast today i i, I was playing a little bit of nhl 24 and it's probably the first NHL game that as that actually feels different and I think it's different for a positive um obviously I'm using the skill stick now um it's it's it takes a little bit to get used to but once you get used to it oh my god it, it's 10 times better 10 times yeah, better I haven't I didn't do the dev test I I haven't really watched many clips I've only heard you talk about it and I uh, the first handful of games I know are going to be a struggle at least actually no because Boosie's also getting the Boosie's playing tonight. I, I believe he said he's getting the pre-release version. I don't know if Brett's getting it tonight, but dude, I might be stepping into that game on Friday raw as hell after you guys have a couple <laughs> days under your belt, and I might be dragging the team down, but hopefully I can catch up quick. But I was watching um, a clip on Twitter. Um, that dude, Nasher, he yeah. tweeted a video. He was playing with uh, like Gretzky, and he was like, am I going to go end-to-end with Gretzky right now? And and he was like, and he went to do the Michigan, and he was like, oh my god, like I'm gonna do the Michigan if this works, this game's broken. And he did the Michigan, and like easiest goal ever, just went right over the goalie shoulder. So yeah. I've seen some of the new moves look exciting, the new hitting mechanics look awesome. I can't wait to get destroyed because I always make a five eleven sniper, and I just get laid out all game. You can hit people into the boards, you can break glass. So 
it should be a lot more fun because like you said they it's felt like the last handful of nhl games have really just been like reskinning like they removed a couple of small in-game features as well as like you know play style features as well like i know like you can't do the little before like you could just uh kind of drift the stick to the left when you had the pocket you do like this quick little crossover is a great way to get speed they removed that a couple years ago and then this year like you said it, it from like what i've seen and from what i've heard um again i haven't played but it just looks like the gameplay is finally so different and it's like yeah. a new challenge for us to adapt to which i'm looking yeah. forward to um also mason lori just scored so oh future shout out all right uh that does it for episode 61 of the something's brewing podcast um as always brought to you in partnership with the primetime productions you can follow them on twitter at primetime frauds um you can follow myself on twitter at underscore uh mike sullivan forgot my twitter handle for a second <laughs> there you go um follow nick on twitter at nick melanson underscore and follow the something's brewing podcast account for the quickest way to see the updated released episodes at brewing something no g at the end with that being said this is episode 61 of the something's brewing podcast the season's right around the corner we're getting hyped up we're talking real hockey real situations real real roster movement everything it feels right all is right in the world um Hopefully you guys can stick with us on this journey because we're here every week dropping on every Wednesday um, talking bees, talking whatever else is going on in the world of hockey. Um, But yeah, with that being said, I just realized I didn't cross my eyes once this episode. That's a milestone. I was waiting for it too. With that being said, this is episode (laughs) 61 of the Something's Brewing podcast and we will catch you guys all next week. Bye. Excuse you, dude. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh my god. Cassie. <laughs>